We're in a series of messages. This is the fifth, fifth week that we've been in a series of messages called Follow Me, and I encourage you to get to the podcast and to be able to uh, pick up where uh, some that you may have missed. Several of you have said some very nice things about these messages, and I don't have time to go back and review them all, but I do want to say one thing about last week's message. I don't know if you remember or not. I don't flatter myself to think that you do, but last week we said, you follow me, and that was from John 21 when Jesus was walking with Peter uh, along the beach and told Peter about the death that Peter was eventually going to experience. Peter received those words, turned back to the disciple that loved Jesus, which was John, and said, well, what about this guy? And basically, very bluntly, Jesus says, it doesn't make any difference about that guy. What is he to you? You follow me. You walk the road I have for you. But what about this guy over here? Is it fair that he, you follow me? Well, what about, I wish they were more committed. You follow me. And we spent 30 minutes talking about how we're all different, our journeys are different, and we can't get our mind on other Christians and what God has for them. We have enough to do to be able to follow Jesus ourselves. And this came home to me yesterday as I was sitting across from St. Bridges Catholic Church and uh, watching my boys uh, sled down Hawkins Hill there. And at 55, I watch them sled now. I don't <laughs> sled with them anymore because um, it cost me $120 in chiropractor appointments every time I go sledding with my boys. But as I was, uh, we arrived there, um, it was when Mass was starting at 4.30. And so um, I saw everybody going in, and so I watched the boys call for them. It was 5.15, and people were starting to leave. And this very judgmental um, pastor said, well, what? And they were getting out of 5.15. They started at 4.30. I said, what in the world can you accomplish in 45 minutes? Man. And Jesus, just as plainly, not in an audible voice, but just as plainly said, Mark, you follow me. If you want to keep those people for two hours, you do it. But you... <laughs> now, that's kind of a funny little example, but that's how it can happen. I started getting all superior because, you know, our service is a little longer, you know, and Jesus said, Mark, you... You follow me. And so we come to another passage of Scripture. Basically, the only thing I've done in this series is just got out to concordance and seen everywhere in Scripture that Jesus says, come follow me or follow me, something like that. And I've just looked at those Scriptures and tried to be able to come up with sermons from, from those Scriptures. And we go to another one today. And, we, and we've said, we've said that, that Jesus' invitation was to follow me. His invitation is not what we give many times. We as pastors give an invitation to make a decision for me. That's probably not bad or anything. We, make it as, we, we use terminology like, would you accept Jesus? And that's probably not bad or anything. Would you re uh, receive Christ? That's probably not bad or anything. It's just simply not the terminology Jesus used. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's heretical. I don't think it's wrong. It's just not what Jesus said. Jesus said, come, follow me. And we've, so we've been trying to flesh out what does that mean. And it comes to Matthew chapter 16 uh, today. And in Matthew chapter 16, we get another, we get another um, 
use of this phrase, follow me. Matthew chapter 16 is, diff- is, is an interesting passage of Scripture. It's repeated in Mark 8, repeated in Luke 9, and Jesus' ministry changes at this point. This is right after he asked Peter, who everybody's saying that I am? And Peter says, you are the, uh, the Christ, the Son of God. And uh, then it says, from that time on, meaning this, this promotes a change in Jesus' ministry. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And wouldn't that have been a bummer for all these people that have followed him? They would not have understand that. They thought Jesus... Uh, if they did believe he was the rabbi, if they did believe he was the Messiah, which Peter confessed a few verses before that, they didn't think that was a Messiah that was going to die. It was a Messiah that was going to replace the Roman rule that was in Jerusalem and, and put Jews back to the forefront there. But now he's talking about dying. They had to freak him out. And Peter's words here are very human, and we understand them. And fr- Peter took him aside. Now, you don't, you don't want to embarrass this guy in front of the whole crowd, okay, and, and from everybody. So he took him aside and going to talk some sense into him, okay? So he took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus comes right back at him and says a very strong statement. He says, Get behind me, Satan. I don't think he was calling Peter Satan as much as he was saying that's satanic thinking. Get behind me, Satan. Or maybe he was just thinking there Satan was somehow trying to use Peter because, Peter, you're thinking like the world thinks and you're not thinking like God thinks. And then we have next. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, disciple in the second part. The first disciple is a good translation. The second use of disciple is that's not a good translation. It's not like it's horrible. It's just not literal. Literally, literally, it just basically says, who wants to come after me? Now, I think disciples, that's okay. Some, they translated followers. It's getting to the right meaning. But literally, if you want to know what we literally have, it says, whoever wants to come after me. Okay? So whoever wants to come after me must deny themselves, take up their cross, and there's our phrase. Deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Deny ourselves. Well, what in the world does that mean? And it's not enough for me to be able to think about in today's 2014, what does that mean to deny myself today? I need to try to figure out what that means. And one of the ways that I do is I go to the original language. Do we have that, the, the screen here where we put the original word in the original language, Karen? Now, don't that bless your hearts right there? <laughs> A parnaomai. A parnaomai. My wife spent $25,000 putting me through seminary, and i got to show it off every now and then. I, I know just a little Greek. He lives about five doors down from me on Brush Row Road. <laughs> when that word gets transliterated, it's this next word, and transliterated just simply means that it gets put into English letters. Okay? A parnaomai. And so when we find out, where, where's this word that gets translated deny, how else is this word used? Well, we first go to the, 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 the definition of that word, and it, just, it means to not to acknowledge one, uh, to lay aside one's self-interest, uh, means to deny, to lay one's, 
writes down, and that's interesting, but then where else does Matthew use this word? It's fascinating to be able to see how different words are used in different places. Matthew uses this, this same exact word, same exact word that gets translated deny. In the end of the chapter uh, 26, I think, Jesus says to Peter, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will, there's the word, same exact word. Only four times is this word used in all of Matthew's gospel. Deny yourselves, here it gets translated disown, same exact word. So what did it mean that Jesus denied or disowned, excuse me, Peter disowned Jesus. Now we can probably get some grasp of that. And in some way it means the same thing to deny yourself. Because it's the same exact word that's being used. And that's the advantage of digging into the original language. Not that you're trying to show off or anything like that. But how were these words used by these guys when the Holy Spirit inspired them to write them down? There's another place that this word was used. Matthew, not only 26, 34, but 26, 35. And Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never, there's the word. Same word again. Exact same word. When Jesus says, you must deny yourself. Gets translated here, disown. And all the other disciples said the same thing. At the end of this chapter, after he's denied him three times, Peter then remembered the words Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will there's the word. All time, all three times gets translated disown. What does it mean to disown myself? What does it mean to deny myself? What does it mean to apernomai myself? I think in one level, everybody knows what it means to deny yourself. At one level. A very, a very small level. I denied myself Wednesday night. I left here after leading our study Wednesday night, why godly people do ungodly things. And, you know, I just had, felt like I needed to be a good steward of my money. And I knew that McDonald's had buy quarter pounders one, one at the regular price and get another one for 25 cents. And I knew just to be a good steward of my money, I needed to buy that because you don't get that buy very often. <laughs> right? I mean, that's perfect. Isn't that the way we human beings reason? Especially... A, us guys that like McDonald's. So I went home down, down 68, heading toward Brush Row and turned to the McDonald's. That's right there at Kinsey. And got into the McDonald's and just pulled into the parking lot and just kept going and pulled out. And I decided to deny myself. We all can relate to that. And that's not a particular spiritual thing. But I decided to deny. I didn't need two Big Macs I don't probably ever need two Big Macs, but I didn't need two Big Macs at 8 o'clock at night. Or what, so whether that's denying myself or finally having a sane thought, I don't know. Okay? Now, blow that up to the spiritual. What does it mean to deny Myself. What does it mean to deny yourself? What, it, what does it mean to disown yourself? What does it mean to not acknowledge? Peter did not acknowledge Jesus. Well, someone makes me angry. 
and I feel that rising inside of me. And everything within me wants me to give them what they got coming and let them know how wrong they are, how much they angered me. And I can do that or I can deny myself, act like a Christian, say it's not my will but thine be done and do as Jesus instructed us to do and just let it blow off of our backs and turn the other cheek. That's not a huge spiritual issue, but it is a spiritual issue. You see, Jesus says that when you follow him, it's eventually going to cost you something. And there will be a time, or probably more accurately, there will be times that you will have to lay down your own interest, that you will have to not acknowledge your own interest, that you will have to somehow disown your own interest, interest, deny your own interest, and follow him. And this is the turning point that a lot of people have in their Christian life. Because, you know, the Christian life has some benefits. You know, you go to heaven at the end of it, and it makes you a better dad, and it can make you a better mom, and a better husband, and a better wife, and all this and that. That's really good. But, friends, there's sometimes that following Jesus is going to cost you something. And there is a time where the rubber meets the road and you get forced with a decision and I can go this way or this way. And if I go this way, I'm not following Jesus. When I go that way, I am following Jesus. But it should be a lot easier to go this way to follow Jesus. My flesh wants me to go this way to follow Jesus. After all, I'm only human, so I'll go this way and follow Jesus. But all along, the best part of you says, follow Jesus. And you must deny that part of you. You have an argument with your spouse. Now, I know no Christians, we ever have, Sue and I never have arguments. We have intense fellowship sometimes. <laughs> but all couples have disagreements. I don't care how Christian you are. And it's the way you have that disagreement that is of concern to God. Not that you had the disagreement. It's how you have the disagreement. And we can have that disagreement and we can have it in a human way and we can argue and we can escalate the argument and, 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 and she says something to me and I give it right back to her more until she's got to come back to give it to me and all of a sudden, man, we're just, who's going to win this thing and no one's going to back down and someone then has to deny themselves, disown that feeling, not acknowledge that feeling to deny themselves and follow Jesus. That's a cost. Well, we can go all the way through it. We can go headlong in this argument, and man, we're going into this argument, but we are not following Jesus. We've taken another road that he wants us to be able to take. And if we're going to follow our rabbi Jesus, as we've learned the last couple of weeks, part of that means trying to be like him. Now, whether you're a teenager here or whether you're a, a, a little bit older, there have been times where following Jesus meant that you could date this person, maybe marry this person, or maybe not marry this person. 
yeah, I'm really attracted to this person. This person is attracted to me, but that this person is not a Christian. And wow, I mean, all of a sudden following Jesus has gotten really real. I mean, and, and, and I really have feelings here, and, and I have a decision. Am I going to follow Jesus, or am I going to follow me? And following Jesus becomes really real. Because, friends, Jesus is honest. He doesn't pull a bait and switch. He tells us, these guys, listen, sooner or later... Following me means you want to be my disciple, you want to be my follower, you want to come after me, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your cross. And what I found in my life is that when I have chosen to follow Jesus, I've chosen to disown myself, not to acknowledge my own feeling, not to be able to say my will is what I want, and I follow Jesus. Those have been turning point times in my life. I can remember, wow, this would have been, I don't know, this would have been 94 maybe, I don't know. And I, I can remember, and I don't have a long time to go into the whole story about this, but I was, had just accepted a job in Sterling, Illinois. I had told Principal Tom Gerke that I was going to take that job. I came back the next day back to home in Kentucky. Got a, there was a message on my machine, I think, to, from Scott County High School in Georgetown, Kentucky, 12 miles from my home. They wanted to be able to talk to me about a position, but I've already given my word. You know, I was a, a new Christian probably less than a year, and my word was something I was trying to learn to keep and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I, I went to drive around Scott County High School and just to kind of look at it, and then went at exit 25 as you're going south on 75, uh, 125. And you'll see a McDonald's right there. And I went to McDonald's right there, and I just... Yeah, I know some of you are laughing about McDonald's. But I went to McDonald's right there, and I said, okay, I promised Mr. Gerke I'd be there. God, I pray that you would lead me to the place that I need to go. But then I got, I mean, Sterling, Illinois, 500 miles away from home. I don't know anybody up there. Scott County High School, around in the area of the country I'm familiar with, 12 miles from home. But I gave this guy my word. I prayed that you led me somewhere, you opened this up, and right there, literally, I, I mean, I, literally, right there, and I, I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, but literally, between a, a Big Mac and a quarter, and a French fry, I decided to go all the way with Jesus, and say no to, ooh, Scott County, that'd be nice, that'd be really close to home, 500 miles away from home, Sterling, Illinois. I decided to say no to myself, canceled the interview, and took the position in Sterling, Illinois, where I just so happened to meet Suzanne Karen Ewing, where I just so happened to meet Kim Smith, who mentored me in ministry before I even knew I was called to minister. That was a turning point in my life. And I wonder how many times that we have these dramatic points in our lives where we are following Jesus or following ourselves, we're, we're following Jesus or, or, or going our own road, we're denying ourselves or, or, or taking what we want, 
and how many times they're defining moments in our Christian life. And our Christian life can go one way or our Christian life can go another, depending upon whether I say, my will or thine be done. Some of you in business and in your employment, you've had some defining moments. You've had defining moments when your boss asked you to do something that you knew wasn't following Jesus. And you've had some defining moments as a boss. And I know you have. And you had a choice to deny yourself and follow Jesus or go your own road. Now, denying yourself, that sounds like um, gritting your teeth. I'm going to be a Christian if it kills me. I'm going to be holier than you. Deny myself. I know I want to do one thing, but I'm going to do another, and it's always this battle inside my spirit. I don't know. I don't even sound good. I mean, but he's not finished there because he said, deny, deny yourself and take up your cross. Cross, first century Jerusalem, was an instrument of death. Everybody knew that. It, it, for us today, it would be like saying to deny yourself and get a lethal injection, deny yourself and go to the electric chair. I mean, whatever we think when we hear that, that's what they thought when they hear cross. I read a little bit of history on first century Jerusalem, and they, they estimated during Jesus' life here on this planet, there were 30,000 people crucified. So it was an instrument of death that everybody knew, and they leave the, left the crosses up to be able to discourage future criminals. I mean, everybody knew a cross wasn't something, you, <laughs> cross wasn't something that you hung around your neck. And what Jesus is saying is what old-timers used to say. Old-timers used to say you have to die to yourself. Now, what's the self? I mean, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I stop liking chocolate ice cream. And, and I mean, what's, what is the self? Well, the very next statement that I didn't read, you know, it says whoever will, wants to save their life will lose it. The word life there is not biological life. It's the word where we get the word psyche. It's our inner our inner self and so we have to deny our inner self and then then carry our cross and why would you carry a cross if you weren't carrying it to your death that's that's the only reason and evangelists used to look at you and say you've got to die out you've got to die to yourself this is the best way I can explain self to you. I looked for the Dennis the Menace cartoon that I saw this in, and I looked for it on the internet. I couldn't find it. But I remember reading a Dennis the Menace cartoon where Dennis was sitting in the corner, and obviously his mother had put him in the corner. And, his, and so he was like in the living room, and his mother's voice came from around the corner. She was like in the kitchen. And she called, Dennis, are you sitting down? And the caption was, yeah. Then kind of quietly says, but I'm standing up on the inside. 
that self. That self. I'm outwardly conforming, but I'm standing up on the inside. It's that inner part of you that wants your own way. And Jesus says that part of you must die. Must die. Because if it doesn't die, the Christian life is, <clears throat> I can't do that. <clears throat> I've got to grit my teeth and remember, count to ten. One, two, three. <clears throat> and that doesn't sound like, doesn't sound like victory in Jesus. It's just <clears throat> gritting my teeth and I'm going to, be a Christian even if it kills me and look how hard I'm trying and <clears throat> that sounds robotic doesn't sound like good news and Jesus says the prescriptions of that grit your teeth robotic life is for you and for me to take up our cross and die to ourself and that's why Paul writes in Galatians 2 something I have been crucified with Christ yet I live but it's not me but it's Christ who's living in me now friends this is the meat of the word this is not milk. This is not a little feel-good three ways to have a better family life and all that kind of stuff. This, this is what it is. You want to have a better family? Die to yourself. You want to be a better husband? Die to yourself. That's the self is the battle we fight. And she's going to apologize before I do. That's the self. That's the self. But, but, but they did me wrong. I know they did you wrong. Die to yourself. But, but she shouldn't have said that. I know she shouldn't have said that. Die to yourself. But they had no right to treat me. I know they had no right to treat you that way. No one is disputing that. Die to yourself. Die to your own rights. Disown. Wow, friends, this is, this is, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road in the Christian life. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek that the world will think you don't ever stand up for yourself. And the world will think that you're, especially if you're a guy, that you're weak. And, but maybe it's just that you've died to self and you don't have to have it your own way. And Jesus says that'll be like a death. And only maybe when you truly die can you really be born again. I hope that as you follow Jesus, he's led you to this point. If you have no clue on what I'm talking about with self and no clue what I'm talking about in denying yourself, that just means you're probably doing any old thing you want to do and that you haven't even grasped this thing yet. 
Because everybody in their walk with Jesus has to come face to face with what Jesus wants and what I want, and they don't. The Bible says the spirit and, and, and the flesh, they battle against one another. Have you come to that point? I've told you this before. And I'm not very smart, but I've never read anybody else to say this, so I may even take credit for this. But this, I, I don't want to live the rest of my, I'm 55, what have I got, 25 years left to live. I don't want to live the rest of the 25 years of my life trying so hard to act like a Christian. I just want to be one. I just want to be one. It's too hard to... <clears throat> just hard I just want to be one I don't want to have to well, what would a Christian say at this point? no I don't want to do that well how would a Christian I don't want to do that I just want to respond like a Christian responds I just want to act like a Christian acts I just want to talk I don't have to think about that I don't have to strategize that I don't have to calculate that in my brain I just want to be a Christian and I think part of being a Christian has to come to this point where I've heard my dad say it you just got to die are you sitting down on the outside but standing up on the inside are you conforming to some rules not because you want to but because you feel like you got to Oh, man. I just, I just think there's more force than that. Jesus says, if, if you all want to come after me, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, however you want to turn that, all right, here's what you got to do, gang. You got to count the cost. And, 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 and you have to deny yourself and that could be something small or that could be something huge. That could maybe, probably not, but maybe a one-time thing or probably more like an everyday type of thing. You have to take up your cross because when you, when you die out, it just feels like a cross. And then, and then, and then. I mean, you can feel blown away by the wind of this God's Spirit. Then it's like the, the, the chains have been broken, and now I can follow because I've died, and yet I live. But not I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. Let's pray. Father, um, I just preached um, this message today to myself and let these other people listen because I have to stand first in line to this um, being a Christian instead of acting like one, to this dying to my own desires. And I don't want to spend the rest of my Christian life having to count to ten and remembering to act like a Christian and 
trying to react like a Christian. I just want to be a Christian. I want to be a brand new creation, born again. And maybe that truly happens in reality and practicality when there's a death. And so, Father, as we prepare to come to the communion table, I pray that you would remind us all where we are on this and that we'll take this not as some little religious message or not just a churchy message that really doesn't apply out where the rubber meets the road, but take this as a very heart and soul of the gospel, that there must be an exchanged life, that I exchange my life for the Christ life. And Father, I pray you'd help us to do that. Father, I pray for people that even right now are having to count the cost of the Christian life. I mean, even right now at this very moment. And they've come to a place where a fork in the road where they can go right or left. They can follow you or they can be able to go their own way. I pray that they'll make the right decision on that. Because I'm fearful, Father, if they, if they don't, 20 years from now, they would wish they could come right back to this point, right here today. And choose to deny themselves. Take up their cross. And follow you. With your heads bowed, um, our pastors are coming to open up our tables. Our altars will be open. And I want you to choose how to worship in these next few moments. You may choose by remembering a death that needs to happen in you by remembering Jesus' death. You may choose just to kneel and to pray about that. You may choose to pray about it right there where you're at. But whatever you choose, would these next few moments be moments of response for you as you response to the as you respond to the preached word. And the word today was, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You respond now, either at the table, at the altar, in your seat, however you choose. Our tables are open.